breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host Fino alongside Mahalo Aloha. Thank you so much for tuning into The Pack. This Monday evening, February 9th, 7.02 Eastern Time from the basement of Holden Hall, East Lansing, Michigan. From Michigan State University, Fino Faith alongside with you, Matt Behind the Glass, per usual. And there's a lot to talk about here today in our first, second, and third segment. Michigan State Hockey coming back from Soldier Field in the Coyote Hockey City Classic, an eventful game for Michigan State in my opinion, manhandled 4-1. Brian Bobel's here alongside with us to talk about that. Second segment, Michigan State soccer recruit, Mr. Soccer himself, Dewan Jones, will be with us via telephone. We'll talk to him, Faith, and it'll be a good talk with him as well, the forward. And, hey, that kid can bring a lot of prowess to Damon Rensing's team. We'll talk with him. Third and final segment, Break Rolling will join the show talking Michigan State basketball. And you know what? Michigan State, maybe he can make a free throw. So I don't think he probably can. <laughs> he probably can. He probably can. So we'll have Blake here in studio with us. Maybe we can try him out, shoot him out. Maybe, hey, walk on to the team. But no doubt about it, if you want to call in, 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to call in and embrace the Spartan debate with us. We're doing that and taking you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 o'clock with us. Asian Music Show will follow us at 8 o'clock. But hey, park the brakes. We're talking sports right here on the music or in the sports that matters, WDBME Slanzing. And Bobel, Brian Bobel with us. Hey, welcome to the show, bud. Long time no see. It's good to be back on the show. A lot to talk about. Great weekend overall. Yeah, welcome back to the Eastern Time Zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how was Chicago? It was awesome. It was it was a lot better than I expected. Yeah, you know, I completely forgot about how big the city is. It's a big city. Faith, have you been to Chicago yes, recently? Yes, I have. You love that. You love Chicago. I love Chicago. It's a great city. I've been there a couple times. And and you know, just walking around, cabbing around, taking the subway around. You know, it was great to bring an event like that to Chicago to get Michigan State and Michigan to play at a game outdoors at Soldier Field. It was great to do. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did because it didn't seem like there were a lot of fans that were there to enjoy <laughs> the game. And, and that's my qualm with it. I thought the outdoor game was a great spectacle. You had Western and Miami playing before them. Here's my thing. Was the crowd as abysmal as it looked on Big Ten Network? More so. Oh, wow. no. More so. I mean, if you look at it, two years ago, there were more than 50,000 fans in attendance for that college hockey doubleheader at Soldier Field. And mm-hmm. now what? It's 22,000. They said 751. Was it even that many? Yeah, 20, 22,751 was the announced, announced attendance. And we say that quotes. with quotes. Exactly. Announced. Let's be honest here. There was about 15,000 people there. I would say less for that. Wow. For the Michigan, for the Michigan, Michigan I, State game. I was expecting later that it evening, to be. Because it was yeah. pushed back, what, an hour and 40 minutes? Because it got pushed back a total of an hour and 40 minutes due to the ice conditions. And okay. even though, even when I got to, I, I got to the stadium about first intermission for the Miami Western game, and I was looking around and I thought, boy, 
I really hope that this place fills up for the next game. I mean, Michigan, Michigan State, you're talking about the best, you know, one of the best, if not the best college hockey rivalries yeah. in the country. And you can't pull together more than 15,000 fans. It looked pretty overexposed to me. Yeah. And, you know, Coyote Logistics sponsoring the whole event, Hockey City Classic. It's a great spectacle. Oh, yeah. But to me, it just seemed very underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I didn't hear a lot of fans, Michigan State people, that were really going to Chicago. Mm-mm. Oh, see, I actually heard a f- quite a few, but it didn't look like anybody was it there. It didn't look like anyone was there. And here's a spinoff of it. I was fortunate enough to be in Ann Arbor for the Big Chill in 2010, and that place was popping. That place was a, it was mm-hmm. a raucous crowd. Now, I understand that Michigan Stadium had more of a spectacle to it, but are we overexposing the outdoor game a little bit here? I think I think – we're seeing the success it has in the NHL. I don't think the outdoor game has the success it does, Brian, in the on the in the college ranks that it does in the pro levels. You're you're right. And I was thinking the same thing on my way home from Chicago on Sunday. I I thought you know it, while it's great to be a part of an event like that, I still think you need to hold the games closer to the schools to get them filled more. I mean, even if you look at the the crowd from Comerica Park at the GLI last year, it wasn't spectacular either. But it's closer. But it's closer. Much closer. But know? it's way different. It's way different than playing in a baseball stadium, hence yeah. Comerica Park, versus a in this instance, a very cavernous soldier mm-hmm. field. It looked overexposed, Ryan. I'm not gonna lie, it's a shame that, you know, we're talking about this. We'll get to the game. There's plenty of the game to talk about. <laughs> But it just looked like it was a little overexposed. I think it meant more for the players and the fans. Mm-hmm. The players, it's a big thing for them yeah. now. These players have played in how many outdoor games now? If you're a senior for Michigan State, you've played in a couple. Yeah, you've played in three of them. You've played in three. If you've, if you've been lucky enough to be in the lineup, yeah. Right. So now I'm saying you, I get I, I get it with the GLI. You have the Hockey City Classic now. To me, it's unfortunate. Fate. I mm-hmm. think they're just pushing this forward a little too much. And I think college hockey just needs to relax. And I say relax and – Stop trying to force the game. I understand it's all about the sponsorship dollars, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. Coyote Logistics giving a lot of money, Big Ten getting a lot of money in there. I think this is about more than the money than the product because really you come down to the product, Michigan State with a great win at Joe Lewis Arena. I'm mm-hmm. all for that the week before. I'm really all for that. A game that we, to be honest, we all doubted Michigan oh, yeah. State. And, and at, I, going I into think that I game. even talked about it on this show or behind the mask. I wasn't buying into Michigan State at that oh, point. You, you were here. You, we no, all said that. We, we you were on the show. Not to cut you off, Faith. I'm no, sorry. You're fine. Uh, you were on the show the Monday before they played uh, at the Joe. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about it. And mm-hmm. what did I say? And, and Jason Ruff disagreed with me. I said, he said he didn't. He tweeted at me. I didn't even respond. He tweeted at me and said, I don't see the logic in your statement that you need to see Michigan State to sweep Michigan. Now, my logic in my statement is this. Michigan State, my goal is for that team to make the NCAA tournament. Is this team making the NCAA tournament right now? Probably not. They're fringe. They need to. They have 10 more games, and they're all against Big Ten teams. Right. Mm-hmm. But as of, if this, it's like with Michigan State basketball, which we'll talk later. If the season ended tomorrow, are they in the tournament? I would argue no. I would argue no. And that and getting a wins against Michigan, who is a way better team, 14 in the country, who's a way better team. I'm sorry. You gotta pick up the marquee win. But when you when you plan a game like that, if you're not gonna play at Yost, if you're not gonna play at Munn, 
you're going to plan a venue like that, Brian. You saw it at the Joe. It was sold out. That place was, was rocking. Nuts. That place was unreal. You go to Soldier Field now to play that same exact game. I'm sorry. Northwestern does not have a hockey team. Stop missing the boat here. If Notre Dame was playing in that game, fine. You'd get more Notre Dame fans. But to me, if you're going to play an outdoor game, play it here at Michigan State or play it over in Ann Arbor if that, or Comerica Park. Keep it in the state. And that's what I, that's what I was thinking the more I thought about it, you look at the success the Big Chill had and the Cold War had, you know, at both at both their schools' respective stadiums. I feel like that's the only place that you should really play outdoors, outdoors. for Michigan State. Michigan's a different story; the much bigger name. It'll it'll attract people wherever it goes. But for Michigan State, I feel the best places to play are in your stadium because you're going to sell out if you play. I was thinking. How about this? Every four years, you play an outdoor game against Michigan, and you alternate. First, you, you know, the first game, say you play at Spartan Stadium. Four years later, you play at at the Big House. Do you remember when the Big Chill? They were trying to they were trying to slam, smash, whatever adjective you want to throw in there, verb. I don't care. They were trying to really blow away that attendance record, that Kenneth Booker World Record. Mm-hmm. They announced one hundred and thirteen thousand people. At that game mm. in 2010, December 11th, you want to be super exact. Certify there was 104. Who cares about what the numbers? 100K plus. Now, tone it back a little bit. Cold War, October 6, 2001. Over 74,000 people there. Which also, at the time, sorry to cut you off, you know, was the first outdoor hockey game, college or professional level. Exactly. And not and to double on that, Brian, it was then a world record for the mm-hmm. largest crowd at an ice hockey game back in 2001. And then we saw it here with the Big Chill. That slammed that record. And now you're seeing all these things with the Winter Classic that is now just mm-hmm. taking everything over fine. So ultimately, do you think it's just because the game was far away from, you know, retrospective, like Michigan and Michigan State? Or what? Why? Why wasn't there a fan base there? I, I think it, it it also comes into a factor how many students actually made the trip to Chicago. I was I looking at both. I was looking at both from you know both fan sec you know student sections. Michigan's section had had a solid section of students, whereas Michigan State's had about a half a section. And this is at the lower level where the sections are not like at Joe Louis Arena where they go from the middle all the way up to the right. top. You know, it, it was you bring the games closer here to campus and you're going to get I could easily see thousands of students wanting to get a ticket to an outdoor game at Spartan Stadium. For me personally, I couldn't make it out this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, that was I was away um, the weekend prior in Indianapolis for a leadership conference. And I said, I can't make another trip away. You know, the, so I, the, I think a lot of students fell. You know, the thing that. is, too, guys, and I know this is Michigan, pure Michigan, whatever you want to bill it as here in the Midwest. It's weather. The roads are crappy. And that's just the reality of the situation. It's icy. It's tough for students to get out there. Mm-hmm. And now, here's another thing, too. Why was Michigan section bigger student-wise? They're a better team. And just like for Michigan State with the Rose Bowl with football, hey, when they played Stanford in that game, it was probably 60-40 Michigan mm-hmm. State versus Stanford because you're looking at a, le- a team that's very legitimate. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Michigan State is terrible. I'm just saying if the team was better, I guarantee you more people would have showed up. 
Bubble, I want to talk to you. Obviously, you cover the Michigan State hockey team. And you went to Joe Lou. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. I mean, incredible game for the Spartans. Mm-hmm. And then they go then to Soldier Field and lose kind of in a blowout type of game. I mean, like like I said, they played very, very well. The Joe Lewis Arena held them. They were very good defensively, competitive. What would you say? I think it was – you saw both teams in, in both those games. Mm-hmm. You saw one team play to its advantages in each of the games. Michigan State – in the game at the Joe, played very well into their system, kind of knocked Michigan off their game a little bit just with how much, you know, with how solid they were defensively. I mean, that snapped their seven-game winning mm-hmm. streak, and they were they were rolling before then. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at their seven games prior to their game against uh, Michigan State at the Joe Lou, they had scored 34 goals in the yeah. five games prior to that, and that included that 7-4 and four and 6-0 and oh sweep against Wisconsin. So they were going in on a, on a streak. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. First period of this game, let's just this hockey city classic, kind of logistics, sure. But here's my thing. First period, I thought Michigan State played okay. I thought they played that was their best period, in my opinion, the first period. Even though, Brian, the first goal that they let up was fluky. I thought it was a fluke. I really did. And when you looked at it, I thought, okay, Michigan State's in this game. They're shooting the puck. Because Michigan is more talented than Michigan State. Let's not debate that. I don't think that's debatable. But you, when you have a team that gets pucks to the net, you have 11 shots in the first period versus 10 for Michigan, that's your chance. And now in the second period, it's like Michigan, it's like, what are we doing playing down to our competition? And I think that second period was all she wrote. I, I think uh, it's tough for me to, to, to say which, which period was the best because I thought Michigan thoroughly outplayed Michigan State for the first two periods in, in its entirety. Right. Michigan State had three power plays uh, in the second period there, which I did think, nothing with. Which it. And, and, yeah. Yeah, five and, shots, and five three, shots, three which, power plays. Which ultimately they really just couldn't get anything going, and I really thought that was a sign that you know things are not going to go their way tonight. But the third period, though, and you'd expect this when you're down, you know, when, you, when you're down three. You know, the third period was their best period. They had, I felt like they had the best sustained attack. They had the highest amount of shots in the third period, but they. They really pressed after Matt DeBlau cut yeah, but, into the lead a little yeah, bit. But he, here's my thing. This is why I can't view the third period as the best. You're already down and out. Michigan's playing 75% at that point. They could have buried him away. They didn't do that. And see, U of M did take advantage of those turnovers that mm-hmm. you know Michigan State had in that second. And you know what? They scored within four minutes in like around 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. And how about the East Lansing native Cutler Martin oh, getting the game? I went to goal. I went to school with Cutler. Yeah. And he's doing incredibly well now. I mean, it's it's awesome to see as a freshman in quotes, freshman, because, mm-hmm. you know, he played prior to going to U of M. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he's done a great job for U of M. And, and I think it's it's important to say that for the first two goals, at least, Hildebrand, did, Jake Hildebrand did not see the puck on either of those. He was screened. Turnovers so I, cost them. So the I said that goal, goal was just fluky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second goal especially, that game-winning goal, they had a scramble in front. You know, puck went to the point, and Hildebrand gets screened, doesn't see it. Next thing you know, it's down. I'll say this. I th- I still think Jake Hildebrand played well. He did. I, and you know what? He's doing the absolute best he can. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like to face a barrage of shots. In this case, he made 33 saves. The kid is doing all he can. Mm-hmm. He's clearly one of the best players on this team. Oh, yeah. And I think, obviously, he has an immaculate – he has a great future. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But I think – Unfortunately for Michigan State, it's not going to be enough. 
They need to find a way to get more offense against these teams. No, I agree completely. But like you said, Jake Hildebrand right now is second in the Big Ten in save percentage. Oh, yeah. And goals against. How many is... shots is he facing a game? I mean, it's unreal. I think he is the best goaltender. He's in the right Big behind Ten. U of M's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nagelvort in conference play. Just about to say, I like Nagelvort has been out, has been just playing phenomenal. He's been outstanding. Yeah, I think Hildebrand's been very good, but comparing him to Nagelvort right now is just a little unfair. And the reason why I say that because talent-wise, they're just one is a slim over the other. If you really want to break it down. But let's just call it what it is. Michigan has a way better defense than Michigan State. And I don't know. When you have talent, I understand. And at one point, Michigan was still winning games when everyone when their whole team was at the World Juniors. And that says something. I did want to ask, you know, people were talking about the ice conditions, and that's why everything got pushed back. Was it that problematic? Oh, yeah. It was. Uh, I was did the guys enough, even play on Friday night? They Did they even they, practice? They had practice, but they could not do anything. The ice was so bad. When I got there, uh, when I got to the rink Friday night, I was looking around, and there were cones all over the ice covering up potholes wow. in the ice. And from what, from what I got, you know, from what I was told there, it was just, it was so cold down there. The ice was just not sticking together. You know, when it get that, when it gets that cold, you know, the ice is really chippy, and it can really chip easily. And you just saw. Watching the guys skate around, you see them make a sharp turn. You see a chunk the, of ice the, come up. And the puck was flying and, everywhere. And I talked to, to Anassis after practice, and he said it was dangerous. And that's it was, it was really dangerous for them to practice. That is my exact point. See, this is not a winter classic. People need to understand this. The infrastructure for a winter classic game, you have to understand, Gary Bettman and the NHL, when they do a winter classic game, despite how warm it is, they're going to bring you the ice trucks and ice trucks and ice trucks to make it work. There is not the same infrastructure for oh, yeah. a college game. It's the top dogs putting that together. Exactly. And now it's almost like it was rushed, Brian, and it looked terrible. And this goes back to the opening you know, discussion we had was, why do this? I understand you're trying to do it, but safety first. These kids are, you know, they're blowing a tire on turn. It did not look good. It looked terrible on television. I could only imagine how it even looked in person. And you know what? It's not fair to the players because the players aren't going to come out and say the ice was crap. They're not going to say that. You know everyone's thinking that. They don't want to pull excuses on the ice. But still, I'm not making excuses because I think Michigan was the better team. Fine. But what could have been when you're playing a legitimate ice surface? Hence, Joe Louis Arena, 2-1 later. That's all I'm saying. And something needs to be done. It's not right. Yeah, I think, though, the difference between Friday night, the ice Friday night, and Saturday was it was so much better Saturday. It was it was warmer, and people would think that, you know, warmer, the ice is going to be worse. But it actually settled down the ice a lot better than the cold weather did the night before. And Anassas said... He got out there in the morning, you know, when his staff got there, because they didn't. They, their morning skate got canceled because of how bad the ice was. And he said he was skating out there, and he said this is just so much better than yesterday. Still not the best, still pretty bad, but but significantly, over, but significantly better. The worst I've ever seen an outdoor game ice. I'm not gonna say this game. It was the first, and if you haven't seen it, watch this game. First Winter Classic ever, Pittsburgh versus Buffalo. Ralph Wilson Stadium, it was snowing, it was freezing, and this goes up what Brian said, just because it's colder doesn't mean the ice is better. It was so frigid, the ice was chunky, mm-hmm. and if you, I remember that game, go back, YouTube it, if you haven't seen it, the ice was a disgrace, and that's what this reminded me of. All right, Bubble, switching gears a little bit, 
you know, these the Spartan team now has 10 conference games left, so mm-hmm. against the Big Ten teams. And they go into uh, Penn State this weekend, so they play Friday and Saturday. Penn State is 7-2-1, and one, and they played them uh, January 16th and 17th, and uh, Michigan State tied them, won the shootout in the first game, and then they lost 5-2 to two in the second game. So what are we looking to expect? Well, I think you're going to see the Spartans come out with a huge chip on their shoulder because – this loss, and, and let's let's face it, they they got thoroughly outplayed against Michigan, outdoors, at, at an event like that. That's going to stick with them all week. So that's going to be boiling inside them as a start. And then you look at how they played the last game against Penn State. That ate at them for a lot longer. You know what I was joking? I was joking with Brian about this off air. I looked to see if they were on ESPNU because anytime Michigan State's on ESPNU or Butcher Gross is anywhere near Michigan State, they lose. Mm-hmm. And that was the game where they got blown out. They had Butcher Gross <laughs> there, they lost 5-2. Love John Butcher Gross, great coverage. But you know what? Michigan State historically, you look this season, they play well on FSD. They play FSD on Friday and they have Big Ten Network on Saturday. I like Michigan State to win a couple games here. I think they can get two wins here. They need to because Wisconsin isn't Wisconsin. Go out there and get some games, get some wins. Make something happen. And I think against Penn State, a revenge faith, I think you combine a 4-1 beatdown on the hands of your arch rival compared with a 5-2 beatdown against this team last time you played them. I think it's a perfect recipe to come out strong. I don't think necessarily Michigan State is out of this Big Ten title no, race. Not no by way. any means. I mean, mm-hmm. I never so, said that. No, no. I'm just pointing out a fact, though. I mean, so they go, they play Penn State, and then they play um, – Wisconsin the following weekend so you know I think that and then they play Minnesota after that these are all pivotal series that they got to pull some wins out in order to stay up there with that Big Ten race Mm -hmm. and you got to look at one team that I think is going to play a big part as to how the final standings are going to be arranged and that's Wisconsin of course they have a huge say right now and sure they're they're in last right now 08 and 2 08 2 and 2 in the conference but they play Michigan State four times That'll play a huge factor as to not only you know what Michigan State does in terms of standings, and then Michigan State, like we said, this is a huge weekend for Michigan State. All of them are big from now on, especially where Michigan State is right now. They were tied for second going into this last weekend. Now they're back and forth. I think I don't think they're going to sweep Penn State. I think they're going to split. You know, but you look at that that road trip you go on the road to Minnesota that's tough that's a tough place to play it's a very tall order they're yep. not winning there and then Wisconsin they're not as bad as people are giving them you know flock for you know they're basically not me bad. i've been chewing them all year i mean they're 218 and 4 but they've still have always been mm-hmm. some they're type still of- Wisconsin but I, we we just hold them to the Wisconsin standard of things and historically Wisconsin is a very good team and the Cole center is a very tough place to play yeah so what are they going to do here? What is Minnesota going to do? Minnesota's tough, which is why I think I always call for the sweep, but a tie, a win would be a way yeah. better situation mm-hmm. than a loss. Just anything a to get and, some extra points. And that's what I thought, you know, going into this, before the game at Joe Louis Arena, I had thought Michigan State would be in great shape if they if they split. At, at worst, split that series with Michigan. And what do you know? They, they split, split. And now we'll see Penn State, they need to get at least five Four or five points in that series. Tie if they want to, yeah, because if they sweep Penn State, they'll end up tied with them in points. Penn State will still have the the edge in terms of of regulation and overtime wins, but that just does a whole lot for your confidence, knowing that you just swept the number two team in the conference. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. So let's just recap this before we let you go, Brian. Michigan State clearly in this Big Ten race. Do you see him winning the Big Ten? 
in regular season, no. No, 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 tournament, tournament. In tournament, you never know how far a goalie can take you. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be totally surprised if Michigan State can make a play to get into the Big Ten championship game. I don't think they're good enough to, to outlast Minnesota or Michigan or both. Michigan playing in Michigan yeah. in Detroit. It's a tall order. I like Michigan in that one, Faith. You like Michigan State? Uh, I think I would agree with Bobo on this one. I, I like Michigan State's potential, but I'm not sure if they're going to make it all the way. Good stuff, Brian. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. And, Faith, we'll be right back. And when we're back, we're going to be talking with Dewan Jones, Michigan State soccer recruit, Mr. Soccer himself. Back after this, keep it right here on the Sports That Matters, WDBM. Listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right. Fino and Fade, Matt behind the glass. We're back on the pack with the Sports That Matters, WDBM, East Lansing Impact Radio. If you want to call in, you know the number 517-432-3893 is our number. But before we can take your calls, Faith, our second segment, a little Michigan State men's soccer talk. We spoke with Damon Rensing earlier in this offseason about how everything in the signing day stuff is going. We are fortunate enough to have Dewan Jones, Michigan State soccer recruit, with us via the telephone, and we welcome him to the show. Dewan, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a blast. Dewan, let me ask you this. Your recruitment to Michigan State, your commitment to Michigan State, kind of go over how the whole process was and you kind of fell into place with Coach Rensing in this program. Um, heading into my junior year, I got an email from the MSU staff and they were just they just told me that they were interested in me and uh, that was really great because Michigan State was has definitely been one of my dream schools since I was young and um it was just really great uh I just love everything about Michigan State the coaches are great um it's really close to home and I just love everything about state and Dewan, you mentioned you got an email from the staff. Was that Coach Rensing initially reaching out to you? You kind of mentioned about how they have a great staff. So was it him in particular? Was it any one of the other assistants? Uh, it was Coach Stannard. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, speaking with Coach Stannard and your process with him and your kind of kind of dialogue with him, initially I understand you said it was a dream school, but how did he kind of ease the process and show his interest in you? Um, he's always been really nice and – I went to a couple of camps, and he was always really good at coaching and getting his point across, which was really nice. Dewan, let's talk about all the accolades that you've received. Three-year all-conference, all-area, all-district, and all-region honoree. 
two-year Lansing State Journal Player of the Year. You're named Michigan's Mr. Sacker in 2014, and that's an incredible honor because if you look at over the course of years, it's typically a, it goes to a player from Division One schools, so that's an impressive accomplishment. But with all of these accolades you've received in high school and the attention you've got from recruiting across the country, what made you decide to stay home? Uh, I think the biggest thing for me staying close to home was just the family support. Um, I just love my family, and also I have a niece. She's six months old, so to stay close to her and help raise her will be really fun. Dewan, all these soccer accolades, let's just take it back for a second. I, I understand you enjoy the game, but what is now that your high school season has been over and all the accolades that it came with it, what are you going to miss the most about high school soccer? Just putting on that East Lansing jersey and playing with my friends. Um, it's a strong tradition for East Lansing soccer. And just Coach Archer was great. Uh, everything about it. The community really supported us every game. Um, just putting on that jersey. You mentioned putting on that jersey, the pride you're going to have. And you said something about Coach Archer. And, I, you know, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. Coach Archer, I understand he's a great, a well-respected coach. How did you enjoy playing for him? Oh, I really loved it. Um, he was a really laid-back guy, and but he always, I mean, sometimes he would say things, and you wouldn't agree at first, but in the end, you know, his decisions were always made sense, and they always helped us to victory. You know, with the departure of both starting forwards from like a year ago, Adam Montague and Tim Kreutz to be specific, do you feel like any added pressure to step in right away as a freshman and make an impact on this team? Um, I don't look at it as pressure, more opportunity. Um, I'm very hopeful that I can work hard in the summer and hopefully earn a spot in the starting lineup. So I look forward to the challenge. Have you been in touch with any of the other members of the class of 2015? Uh, yes, Zach Covan. Um, we're, we're good buds. We played TNT together for two years, about three years ago. Um, I know Luke Manet and Hunter Barone. So I'm really looking forward to getting to play with these guys. And you met, and you mentioned Zach in those dynamite club days. You know, it, taking that connection, you know, how was it playing with him on the club level and kind of taking that to the next level? Um, well, Zach and I are going to be roommates, so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, we just we always knew we were safe with Zach and that. He always made incredible saves, and I'm interested to see what he'll do at the next level. It'll be excellent to see at the next level, no doubt. But, Dewan, soccer aside, you know, what do you do in your free time when you're not kicking the ball around? Uh, I enjoy hanging out, spending time with my friends and family. Um, I participate in a lot of clubs, uh, Jack and Jill. Christian Student Union, wow. Young Life, Black Student Union. Uh, I enjoy ice skating. Uh, you're Mr. Everything. Wow, not just Mr. Soccer. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pull it back to soccer, though. You know, just looking at last year's season with a few of the losses, do you feel like this team can continue its streak of deep tournament runs next season? And if so, how far do you think this team can go? Oh, yeah, I think – we can go really far. Uh, hopefully we can make it a little bit farther this year and really have a season to remember. Dewan, obviously everyone here at the station wishes you all the best. We don't want to take any more of your time. Thank you so much for spending the, uh, some time with us this evening. Go green. Go light. Thank you. You got it, Dewan.
And that is Dewan Jones, Michigan State soccer recruit, Fate. And, you know, I think I just, you know, he said something that, you know, I just really, really, it just really resonated well with me. And I remember Coach Rensing, I spoke to him about it. And he said, you know, we always recruit for character. And he said, you know, Coach Archer's a laid-back guy to a way. And so is Coach Rensing in a way. That laid-back lead by example, he'll say things, but he'll mean for the better. Now, the pride that this kid has is missing putting on that jersey. All the accolades with this kid, Faith, extremely humble guy. And I think that's what Michigan State goes for. I'm not talking about his ranking on top drawer, three-star. I think this kid is going to be excellent for Michigan State, and it just shows you the progress that Michigan State soccer has made. I mean, the Elite Eights. Back-to-back Elite Eights. The Elite Eights, what Coach Rensing has done, amount of the talent he has developed. Now, you see with Fatai Alashe being a top-five pick. You know what? You can't say enough. And talking to this kid, I don't even care. He is going to be world-class for this team. I mean, it's kind of hard not to – you know, pick this guy out, you know, as like Rensing. It's kind of hard not to see this guy just in the area. He scored the winning goal in overtime to take East Lansing to repeat as Division two state championships, state champions this season. So to have a guy so close to home is incredible. And actually, Damon came out, he had a little statement. He said, quote, there hasn't been a soccer player come out of the greater Lansing area of Dewan's quality since Cyrus Sadie, who also played at Michigan State as well. And if you look back, Sadie played 2008-2010 for Michigan State. So it's just great that we're having an East Lansing guy come to Michigan State. There's no doubt about it. And we're getting an East Lansing guy. I'd even want to even bring up, Look, Coach Renzing has been a perennial recruiter of Mr. Soccer's. He's done this before. And now we're seeing it with another another guy in Dewan Jones. And he brought up his Zach Coban, his club days. Now, Coban is at Okemos. But they play club together at TNT Dynamite. And that's what these kids do. So, despite they're not playing for the same high school team, you got club teams. Now, this bond goes way behind the pitch on the high school level. We have the club level. Now we're seeing on the collegiate level. And you saw it with Fatai Lachey. The kid's from Northville, and this kid soared, and we're going to see Dewan soar. And I didn't want to put those you know, expectations or those questions for him because you know what? I think everything you got to put in perspective with these kids, Faith. It's insane. The whole recruiting thing, we're talking to these kids, we're interviewing these kids. You Google his name, LSJ, Detroit Free Press, all these recruits. These kids are 17, 18 years old. He said he got a letter his junior year, and that's when he got – he's 17 years old when he got contacted. I mean, it is so insane about how young – the I think they are – how young these kids are when they get recruited. And it just shows you how America and this whole you – know, you saw it with football, but I understand with soccer, it's still getting the publicity. No doubt about it, Faith. And I think – I don't know. I don't I don't know if you have anything to add on this, Faith. I just think it's insane that the level – that these kids are getting recruited at and the coverage they're getting. And I think with social media now more than ever, you didn't see this 25 years ago. You didn't see this 20 years ago. I think it just says a lot. And I think these kids are starting to not have the chip on their shoulder. Unfortunately, you see it with some of these other recruits, not soccer pertaining, that just are bigger than the game. You know, you see a couple of these kids, football-wise, they think they're the best thing. They're on ESPNU. They're doing the whole ceremony. It's insane. They're local celebrities. With Dewan, It is crazy. It is, it's, it's insane. I mean, we were watching something of a football recruit when he was signing for Michigan State. It's insane. And, um, I mean, it is the hype about it. 
There's no doubt. And, and forget the hype for a second because it is insane. That's football. Soccer doesn't get that. But still, it gets publicity. And I think people need to understand. I understand we do talk a lot about Michigan State soccer on this show. It's an appreciation to show where has Damon Rensing taken this program. Not that the program was in the dumpster when he came in. I'm not going to say that. But you said it. Back-to-back Elite Eights? This team is serious. And that two years ago, they were going against a guy, Harrison Ship in Notre Dame when they lost to Notre Dame in the Elite Eight. That kid isn't that kid's in MLS. That kid is on Chicago. So when you see these things and you see what the talent they're going up against, you're throwing an 18-year-old kid in the forest. You're throwing him in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and you're telling him to swim. And you know what? There's no doubt about that these guys are going to make an impact. I mean, in by him in particular, I think he's ready for it. I think he's I mean, ready. He, like you said, he actually played TNT soccer with uh, Dynamite. Yeah. Yep. Jeff Hostler. And Zach, uh, in particular, uh, Nick Archer, who is former national championship soccer player. Zach Kovan, his, you know, a guy he played club ball, is his roommate. All, all these coaches, though, have developed him. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Are you kidding me? Am I uh, HSCA? Dream Team, Division Two All-State, First Team, Mr. Soccer. Sorry, that acronym was very long. But the point was, Faith, this kid is class. And I think you said in the, and I had to ask him, I go, you do all this soccer stuff, what do you do in your free time? Poor kid is nervous. He ice skates. He does club. I mean, he's Mr. Everything. I told him, I'm like, you're not Mr. Soccer, you're Mr. Everything. Pretty insane stuff. And, you know, we look forward to talking with Coach Rensing. We look forward to talking with Coach Rensing about this now that we can actually talk to him about it. I think Michigan State is in a great place with Dewan Jones. There's no doubt about Michigan State will be in a way, way better place. Third and final segment, Break Foling joins the show. We're talking Michigan State basketball. And like I said earlier when I let off the show, will Blake Froling make a free throw? If he does, let's call Lizzo. Let's sign him up back after this. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the pact here on 88.9 FM. 
That is right. We're back on the pack. Fino Fate, Matt behind the glass with you. If you want to call in this third and final segment about Michigan State basketball, let us know. 517-432-3893 is our number. And yes, I said it's our third and final segment, Michigan State basketball. And we welcome MSU Impact Sports basketball guru. I'm calling him the guru. Blake Froling with us. Blake, how are you, pal? I'm great, Fino. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. Can you make a free throw? I, you know, I was actually just practicing right before you I look came good. here. I was getting ready for the open tryout that Izzo's probably going to have in a couple days. <laughs> yeah, well, good thing. That's going to be first on the list. Make yeah, free throws. Yeah, we got you. You heard it right here. Blake Froling will attempt free throws by the end of the show here on the pack. <laughs> but, Blake, let's kind of talk about this game here. Illinois 59, Michigan State 54. And a game where I thought the refs were attempting to gift the game to Michigan State. It really was that. A technical, I get it. You want to call embellishment? Maybe. Did he get him in the groin? Potentially. You be the judge. Uh, Michigan State, though, I cannot, I mean, 39%. I'm, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that is the point, Faye. 39% from the free throw line, abysmal. Travis Trice, 20% from the floor, uh, okay. I mean, Illinois shooting 75% from the free throw line. It just, oh, I, I, I can't get to this. I cannot even get into this, Blake, but am I overreacting? Are fans starting to fall off the bandwagon? And loaded question, will this team have enough to make the NCAA tournament? Well, it seems like we're kind of beating a dead horse with this free throw problem, but the problem is it's not going away. We just figured it might be a little bit of an anomaly going into the beginning of the season, but it just keeps coming up. And yeah, good teams in March make their free throws, and this team does not. They're they're coming into uh, the game on Wednesday. They're going to be uh, ranked about 330th in the nation in free throw percentage. And last in the Big Ten. And last <laughs> in the Big Ten, of course. So you just you just can't go anywhere with that. And they've and Michigan State's been consistently falling in everybody's bracketology predictions. Uh, some people have them even in the first four out, last four in. L- Joe Lunardi of ESPN has them as a nine seed, and I I personally think that's a gift. They're just going on reputation right now. This team cannot hit free throws, so they're not going to be able to close out at games. And I saw an interesting line in an article talking about the uh, Illinois game, how for that technical, Illinois gave Michigan State a gift, but Michigan State did not accept it with missing that free throw. So spot on. Shooting 7 from 18, it's just it's, terrible. It's, I mean, let, let's just call it what it is. Illinois' best player on the court yesterday, or last game, not yesterday, two days ago, Saturday at noon, Malcolm Hill was their best player on the court. No doubt, 19.6 boards, didn't turn the ball over if you want to get into that. Michigan State's best player on the court, my opinion, my opinion, my opinion, was Brandon Dawson. Six rebounds, 12.6 for seven, good percentage. Three turnovers, fine. I'll get into that. One foul, though. Now, Denzel Valentine, obviously with that ill-advised shot at the end of the game. Denzel Valentine, I understand, is not a senior, but he's not playing to the level you expect Denzel Valentine to play. Denzel Valentine, in my opinion, right now is a role player, but he's overexposed. He needs to play a bigger role, and he's he's not up for that order. Well, his main problem has been sort of the weird turnovers, and it's plagued him all throughout his career. He's really been in Coach Izzo's doghouse the whole time he's been here because of all his turnovers. And you'd think 
going into his junior year here, he's really he's really played a big role on this team the whole time he's been here. So you'd think he'd be ready for this moment. And there he has shown times where he has really stepped up, especially against Michigan, when he had 25 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Uh, my colleague Andrew Hayes said on our last podcast that that was probably the best game of his career. So we were expecting a little bit better from him. I mean, 16 points, seven rebounds is you know nothing to laugh at, but the turnovers were a problem, and his shot selections. Also, he needs something to work on, but the thing is, Michigan State doesn't really have a big, a main go-to guy consistently throughout the season. We've seen Travis Trice. He's been able to step up some games, especially mm-hmm. the Iowa game earlier this year, but he hasn't really been consistent, and Dawson can't shoot, so you know he's trying to step up. You know, we just keep reiterating the inconsistency. I mean, you see it with Schilling and Costello. They're struggling down low. They only had five points, and they – we're not defending anyone last game. And you, you bring up Trice a little bit. I think Izzo depended a lot on Trice. If there was a go-to guy, Trice was his man. And yet he plays 29 minutes, goes two for 10 from the field, one for five at the line. It's not like Trice. And I think even in his last uh, press conference, I believe that was today, he said he's kind of trusted him too much and Tom Tom's going to have a bigger role as well as Alvin Ellis. Here's what needs to happen, and I agree. Coaches, I remember he said this, Blake, Beginning of the season, Coach Izzo said, if Michigan State is going to reach the potential they need to play at, their seniors need to play big. Dawson has played big. Uh, Travis Trice clearly has not. If you if you think so, you have not been watching the games. And here's a couple other things as well. Tom Tom needs to shoot the ball more, and he's fast, okay? You've ripped Tom Tom all year, though. For not shooting know. the ball, because yeah. he needs to shoot the ball. And, and that's what this he, time he was actually getting in the lane, drawing fouls, giving out assists. He actually did perform well. Yeah, and I now know why I'm, Izzo's going to rely on him. I'm more. very happy for Tum Tum. He attempted four free throws today. Congrats. <laughs> and he attempted one shot. And it was a very good drive. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy he shot the ball. But the thing is, he's so quick. And that's my thing with him. He could take the game over. The quick, fast point guard is an MO of Michigan State. I'm not dogging him because I... You know, because I don't like the guy. I barely know the guy. I'm sure he's a great person. But my point with Tum Tum is you got to drive and shoot the ball. I don't know what's going on in the huddle. I don't know what Coach Izzo is telling you, but something's got to give. You need to shoot the ball more, period. When your team is shooting 20 for 52, you're shooting 38%. Come on. Something needs to be done. Get Marvin Clark more playing time. Shake this up. You're sinking. You haven't beat a ranked team all year. You have a game against Ohio State upcoming at home that you got to win. Then you go to Madison, which is winnable. But those are two ranked games. Are they going to win them? They need to if they're going to have a good resume. I mean, let's even talk about Tuesday. MSU plays Northwestern, and granted, Northwestern is 1-9 and in the Big Ten. But they did take MSU to overtime back in January. It's well, still something to be concerned about. Well, I think if Michigan State doesn't shoot at least 50% from the line, which – normally seems like anybody can do it with their eyes closed, but this team cannot. If they don't shoot at least 50% from the line, I would not be surprised one bit if Michigan State loses this game. Uh, this is how, this, this is what I'm going to say about it. If Michigan State loses to Northwestern tomorrow, we will not talk about Michigan State basketball until March Madness, period, because I'm not wasting my time anymore. I'm not going to waste the listeners' time anymore about talking about the same stuff we talk about every week, Faith. Free throws inconsistency, and why the seniors aren't stepping up. It's not right. It's not fair to the listener. We'll talk about something else. But they need to win tomorrow. They need to go 7-4 and four in the Big Ten. If they lose to a 1-9 and nine team in conference, we're not wasting our time. I mean, if you look at Michigan State's record now, 15-8. and eight, They have eight games left. 
I think realistically, they are going to have to go five and three. Right. And, and that's, I mean, that's it. And like, because that's I think 12, not, 12 losses is the magic number. In yeah, order for... and that's not hard. Because you play Northwestern, you play Purdue, and I understand Purdue is seven and four in conference. You can beat Purdue. You can beat Indiana. You can beat Illinois if, maybe, who knows. You could beat Northwestern. I think they got to beat a ranked team. And you're telling me you're not going to beat Michigan? I honestly don't think so. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Come on. We, they took us to overtime playing Dockich's son 16 minutes in the game. which and Who's they, a walk-on. Who's a walk-on, exactly. And they're probably going to have Walton Jr. back by that time. So I really think Michigan State needs to win all their games. except all, all of their games except for the Wisconsin game. Nobody, so you, I don't expect them so you, to win that one. So you think Michigan State will go 7-1? and one, They need to go 7-1. What do you one. think is going to happen? I don't think they're going to go 7-1. I think they're going to lose I, to – I think they're going to lose to Illinois. They're going to lose to Wisconsin. Ohio and they're State? Gonna, Ohio State, I you, – You're telling me Michigan State – maybe because they're on the road against this one. You're telling me Michigan State has a better chance of losing to Michigan than to losing at home against Ohio State? I really don't know. See, Michigan State's Sally, so up and down. I don't think that's reasonable. They play up to their level of their competition. You see against Penn State, they eked out a six-point win. Northwestern, they took them to overtime. But you look earlier in the season, a Notre Dame team who has really skyrocketed this season, they took them to overtime in South Bend. They hung around with Duke most of the game. They hung around with Kansas. So they really have a problem getting up against those lesser teams. That's why an at-Northwestern game is such a trap game in Here, my mind. Maybe, maybe, but if if they lose to a team that has never made the NCAA tournament, maybe I'm just being facetious, whatever. But I'm sorry. I just don't think that's plausible. And that's why I'm standing I'm standing pat. We're not going to talk about him until March. But here's my thing, Blake. This is why I think that comment is just so ridiculous. Michigan State, I understand it's a rivalry game with Michigan. It's just so ridiculous because you're telling me that Michigan State has a better chance of beating a team, Ohio State, that killed Maryland. I mean, killed them at home, 80-56. to 56. Michigan State couldn't even get near. I understand the loss in double overtime in December, but Michigan State got swept by Maryland. And you're about to t- and then and then Ohio State beat Michigan 71 to 52. You're telling me I understand it's Breslin Center, it's his own, whatever, the newspaper. I'm sorry, I don't buy Michigan State better chance to be Ohio State than Mich- or Michigan than Ohio State. I just don't buy that. I don't think Michigan State's gonna walk away with a win against Ohio State. I mean, you look at Ohio State, 18 and 6 overall, 7 and 4 in the Big 10. They've got point guard D'Angelo Russell. He's leading candidate for freshman of the year I'm telling in Big you. 10. What freshman See, here's another thing. And is this a recruiting issue now? Now, forgive me. Michigan State has whiffed on the big recruit many times. Now, I know Blake was like, "Hey, what about the recruiting?" And I'm like, "Blake, you might be right because Michigan State, when was the last time they had a big time swingman freshman?" I can't tell you that. They whiffed on Cliff Alexander. They whiffed on Jabari Parker. They've whiffed on the top recruits many times. So if I'm Michigan State and Coach Izzo told me, he said, look, if Michigan State is playing like this, money referenced this back in December, November, in this time of year, February, we're in trouble. And guess what? We're in trouble. And I will bite my tongue. The beginning of the season – I said Michigan State had potential to be the final four. I promise you. Awful. I yeah. promise you, whatever I was on that night, I will share it for the public <laughs> because it, it, it's just not plausible. And maybe I'm overreacting, but I think I'm being fair. 
I, th I really think I'm being fair. I think Iowa's a good team, but I think Michigan State is better than Iowa. I do. And I love Fran McCaffrey. I don't think they're better than Maryland. That's obvious. No matter if you root for Michigan State or you root for Northwestern, you cannot tell me with a straight face that Michigan State is a better team than Maryland. Is that fair? I think that's fair. But well, you look at Iowa. They're starting to rise up. They just destroyed Maryland on their home court on Sunday. That's another thing. Iowa has the marquee win. Michigan State doesn't have the marquee win. They don't. I look at You look at Iowa's schedule. You look at the teams Iowa's beat. You pull up Michigan State's schedule. They've lost to Notre Dame. They've lost to Duke. They have lost to Kansas. Okay? Now, the prolific wins for Iowa are this. Ranked wins. They have a ranked win against Maryland. They have a ranked win against Ohio State in Columbus. They have a win against UNC. They lost to Syracuse close, and they don't look too good, but they're not even relevant. But the point is, Iowa's schedule is tougher. Tougher strength of schedule. Texas, Syracuse, UNC, Iowa State, Ohio State, Wisconsin twice they played, and they lost both times. And they played Maryland. So you have played a plethora of ranked teams. Michigan State has only played a handful of them. Iowa has a better resume despite getting killed in that second half. So as much as I think Michigan State can beat Iowa, do they have a better resume? Hence why people think right now, why are we saying Iowa's first four out when Iowa's a better resume and we have more marquee wins and we have a higher, better strength to schedule, RPI, of course, of course, of course. Why are we putting Iowa out and Michigan State in? Blake said it. This is a... This is like a stature thing. This is like when Kentucky made the NIT when they were 500. Mm -hmm. It's a mm -hmm. stature thing. This is just because, oh, it's Tom Mizzle. Let's throw him the bone. Iowa doesn't have that. And Fran McCaffrey is starting to build that up. The Big Ten is starting to become a football or a basketball. It's leaning towards football conference. It used to be basketball. I don't know. It's I see, I see the Big Ten getting in six, seven teams. But if you're getting in six, seven teams, Michigan State, Illinois and Michigan, and I understand Michigan's not really on that bubble because they need to basically win out. Michigan State and Illinois are on that bubble. Iowa doesn't have bad losses. Michigan State has bad, bad losses. Against ranked teams. And that's that's the biggest point. Yeah. But I do want to ask you guys, you know, this is a this is Izzo's 17-year streak that he's led up all the way up until this moment. Are you guys concerned that that streak's in jeopardy? It, yeah. Yes, but I still think what Blake alluded to, it's that stature thing. Michigan State gets in, but you get in in a sneaky 8-9 game. You're 8C. You can easily lose in the first round. Oh, so, we've seen so many. And whatever happens in March, you never know. But then again, I could see Michigan State winning the tournament. I mean, Big Ten tournament and just shocking the world. You know, you hit it right on the head. The Big Ten tournament, that's what everybody's starting to overlook. I mean, last year, Michigan State kind of struggled towards the end. But then when they hit that Big Ten they tournament, got it. they took off. And that really propelled them to that four seed and, and really helped them make that run. So I think, if anything, they really need to make waves in the Big Ten tournament. And if they want to solidify their chance to get into March Madness, they need to make it to the championship game. But what do they have to do? We talked about free throws and we talked about several other things, but what is the key? Well, it's really hard to figure out. You look at just their consistency in general. I mean, free throws you would think would be an easy problem to fix in practice. And I think Coach Izzo needs to just – have these guys shoot free throws for two hours. They call it a charity stripe for a reason. That's right. It's You're supposed to be free. Come on. And my thing is with this is Michigan State going into the Big Ten tournament is not going to have a bye. So you're going to have to play an extra game, which is fine. I'm okay with that. 
because I'm Michigan State. I need all the wins I can get, so I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm just saying they need to get – if they can beat Wisconsin, hold the phone in, in Madison, and you get a marquee win in the Big Ten tournament, I can see yourself getting there. But I think Michigan State, you're at 6-4. and four. They need to get to that sneaky 12, 11 wins in conference to be – legitimate and be in the tournament because the Big Ten is bringing in six, seven teams. I just think right now Michigan State is faith, to answer your question, more on the bubble than what people think. I think Michigan State fans need to stop sipping the Eastlands and Kool-Aid. I'm all for the Kool-Aid. It tastes great. But my thing is stop because right now you have better teams in the Big Ten that have a better resume and that have better wins than you. And when I look at Michigan State, they have some brutal losses, and that law. And you look at their eye; it's an eyesore on that schedule. Texas Southern loss—that's mm-hmm. bad. I will give you Duke. I will give you Kentucky. I'm sorry, Kansas. Oh, Kentucky—that would be something else. <laughs> I will give you. I will give you Maryland, but I'm not going to give you Texas Southern. I'm not going to give you a game against Illinois that I think they're better than. So I don't know. I, there's a lot of things there that I think Michigan State, Nebraska—that's a bad loss to me. And then you got one of their best players that got kicked out, basically ejected from the game. Early in the game. Early. Mm-hmm. Early. So, and Michigan State had bigs. They had mismatches in that game and couldn't capitalize because they didn't shoot well. Again, another free throw story. I don't know, Blake. I, I mean, I understand you try to calm me down anytime you come on the show, <laughs> but it's really not working. And I, 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 I'm a man of my word, as I always am. Just like that time I beat Faith on that bet, national championship. <sighs> if Michigan State loses to Northwestern, we will not talk about Michigan State basketball until the first week of March. You heard it here. Well, Michigan State is always a March team. Right. So Maybe. I mean, they don't have a marquee win, but they need to start hitting that role in March. You can't just say, oh, they're a March team, oh, they're a March team. Well, yeah, you got to get you there. Know how many, you, know how many, you know how many times we hear that from Michigan mm-hmm. State fans? Oh, they're a March team. Oh, they're a tournament team. Wait until March comes. Stop. You got to get there first. Because th- think about it. You get kids that are 14 years old, 15 years old that are Michigan State fans. These kids have, this is all they know. They don't know what the NIT is. How crazy is that? Mm-hmm. It's like if you're a Red Wings fan, you're 19 years old. You don't know what it, you don't know what it feels like to not be in the playoffs. <laughs> you're just expecting you're going to get playoff tickets for Christmas because you know they're going to be there. <laughs> and that's what we're looking at. And that's what you need to realize, that if you're a Michigan State fan, stop. Quit being cocky. I think Michigan State has a lot of things to work on. Turnovers. I think they're, I think Valentine needs to be smarter with the basketball. I think Tum Tum needs to start shooting and driving to the rim. He had one field goal attempt, and it baffles me. He was so quick off the ball. He moved. And he just it was a, just a beautiful layup. And he, he rolled in there. So I'm like, hello, where is this? That's what he needs to do more. That's right. He's the quickest guard in the in his recruiting class, and he needs to start getting more aggressive. I think the only problem is he needs to start working on his confidence because he's only like 5'9", going in amongst that tre- those trees. That can be intimidating for a freshman especially. So I think as he moves on, he's going to get more aggressive and drive the ball because his jump shot really isn't where it should be right now. I think he it's needs not. to progress right now. Get in the paint. Get fouled. Get That's to the exactly line. Right. They need you. They absolutely need you. When your best free throw shooter has a technical free throw to shoot and you miss it, Bryn Forbes, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. You had anyone to shoot that shot, it, you pick Bryn Forbes and you miss it. That's an issue. That's a big time issue. 
I don't know. And I owe any time, unless they lose tomorrow, each week when we talk Michigan State basketball, I always say, what is your expectation? And Faith and I have been doing this, Blake, and we've been gouging if your expectation has wavered. Mine has gone from Final Four to, oh, I can't say it on air. <laughs> but the point is, I think Michigan State makes the tournament and they lose in the first round. They got eight games left to prove it. So you, we'll see where it goes. So you're not even go, you're not even giving me it. I'm not even going to give you an answer. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't even blame you. Blake, what do you got? At the beginning of the season, I said they'd make it to Sweet 16 and lose. That's what I said. Uh, she, yeah, Faith did say that. I think right now, this team is just so hard to figure out. You could you could really look at it as they'll hit a, hit a streak in the tournament and they could make a run, or they'll just hit a – just play horribly like they did against Illinois and lose in the first round. This, I think it's more likely that they lose this in the first round. This team is so incognito. Nancy Drew, Sherlock Holmes, and Inspector Gadget combined can't couldn't figure the team out. Those two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Can you believe they can't even figure this team out, Blake? Mm-hmm. Blake, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it, Blake. That's Blake Froling, MSU Impact Sports. You said it or you heard it from here. His colleague, Andrew Hayes, them too take care of our Michigan State bat men's basketball coverage. Check it out on MSU Impact Sports, great coverage as well, Faith. Faith, good to spend our hour together with you. It's always great. Matt Behind the Glass, thanks so much for taking care of us as well. You got the Asian Music Show taking you 8 to 10 right on next to us. For Fino, thank you so much for listening. Aloha, mahalo. We'll catch you next week. Take care, everyone.